really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, and every now and then, maybe an occasional insight or two, all about the world of rugby union. My name is David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows rugby all over the globe. Uh, I like to mention right here that the teams I root for are the New England Free Jacks here in Massachusetts. Internationally, I root for my USA Eagles, and I also root for Scotland. Uh, generally, what I'm most hoping for, though, is good rugby wherever I can find it. And sure enough, this weekend, there were two huge clashes in very different parts of the world. So, The Scrum of the Earth is a weekly podcast with bonus episodes occasionally thrown in. Uh, this week, I have a bonus ep plan featuring my first ever special guests. So, stay tuned for that one. I am very excited. Uh, to those of you who have been listening so far, thank you for coming along. I really appreciate it. Uh, every single time I see that there's another listen on my page, it honestly just fills me with glee. I, I can't believe how great it is. Uh, please get in touch with me whenever you want. If you'd like to do so, I am at scrum uh, at of scrum on Twitter. I'm also the scrum of the earth at gmail.com if you'd like to email me. Also, if you leave me a five-star review and I'm able to locate it, I will happily read it out loud on the pod, no matter what it says, within family-friendly parameters, of course. Uh, and more on that later, in fact. So, the pod itself, each week, I will be covering in this order. Current updates, that's just what's up with me. Uh, I will be doing some news, what's happening around the world of rugby union. I'll do things to chew on, what's got me interested or annoyed this week. Uh, then we'll look at scores, uh... Most rugby fans would refer to that as results. And then I'll look at some upcoming matches for the next week, and I will make some predictions. Again, I am definitely not an expert, uh, but so far, all my predictions have been spot on. So there you go. So current updates. Uh, not, not too much is new with me, uh, but I did get my first listener request for a specific topic for a pod, which was really cool. So as I've mentioned here before, it can be really difficult to find out a lot of information about, for instance, Major League Rugby, even here in the United States. Uh, for instance, during the Major League Rugby final, ESPN.com, the site I would imagine is the sort of premier sports coverage in the United States, they literally did not have the match listed, period. No scores, no nothing. They didn't even know it was happening. So a listener wrote in and asked if I would do a show highlighting different players and goings-on with the MLR. So I can tell you right off the bat, Dougie Fife and Bowden Waka from my below, beloved Free Jacks are going to feature prominently. They're going to come into the conversation for sure. Uh, so I am going to get to work on that. Pardon me if it takes a couple of weeks, but I will absolutely get to that. And thank you for writing in to ask. Uh, if you also have a topic that you'd like to ask me about, I'm at of Scrum and I'm at uh, the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. So some news. So for the news this week, I thought I would highlight the returns of the leagues I follow globally. So there is, of course, the English Premiership. Uh, I think you're supposed to call it the Gallagher Premiership. Uh, the first fixture of the new season is sooner than you think. It will be on Friday, September 17th. Wow. It's just over a month. Uh, that'll be feature Bristol hosting the newly promoted Saracens uh, in the recently renamed United Rugby Championship. Uh, by the way, their official site is still a little cagey. It seems to indicate only that they'll start in September. 
Google seemed to think the actual date is Friday the 24th, though I certainly can't find what that matchup or matchups might be. I imagine a lot of these things are still up in the air because of the South African element uh, with the COVID issues that are happening there and so on. Uh, I don't know if anyone really knows if that's what's happening with that right now. I'm guessing they're going to be, you know, trying these things until the very last minute. Um, speaking of things being up in the air due to COVID, there are no confirmations I can find anywhere about when Super Rugby is going to restart. Super Rugby is still my favorite league, um, at least in its its ordinary form when I first discovered it. It's, it's changed a lot. Um, I don't think people even know what form it might take right now. I know they very much want to get a Fiji and a Moana Pacifica team, both included, uh, but there's been so many outbreaks in Fiji and other island nations right now. Combine that with the, their sort of reluctance to the very idea of vaccination. Uh, nobody seems to know what's likely to happen at this point. I, I'm pretty sure they do not want to repeat the Trans-Tasman competition from last year, which I think kind of made everyone look kind of dumb. Uh, I really hope they'll be able to figure something out. I, I love that league when it's cracking. Uh, Major League Rugby obviously just finished a couple weeks ago, and I haven't been able to find anything about the new season yet, uh, though I am going to put together uh, some sort of show about the awards and some of the, the player news from the end of the season. Okay, on to the scores and results from this weekend. Um, I'm pretty sure that I don't yet have any listeners in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, usually I like to cover matches uh, in the order they happen on the timeline, but um, since... Again, I don't think I have anyone particularly dying for Blood is Low 1. I'm going to start with the British and Irish Lions' third and final test in their series against South Africa, and then I'll go on to talk about Blood is Low a little bit. So, I'm sure you all know by now, in the end, the British and Irish Lions lost the series to the reigning world champs, giving up the ghost right at the end in an eerily reminiscent manner to their 2009 loss, with the resurrected body of Mornay Stain kicking the winning three as the final moments were ticking away. Uh, if I, you know, Lions fans who were much more serious than I turned out to be uh, must have just been absolutely dying living deaths at that moment. It must have been terrible. So for weeks now, I've been hearing a lot of negative things about this series. But as I said here, more than once, I, I really disagreed with that. But I don't know. Somehow, this final test, this final test really left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know if it was the game itself. I don't know if it's the void that it's sort of left in its in by virtue of it ending. I don't know if it's the fact that in the end I found myself rooting for the Britty Kitties and then that's the way it unfolded. I got to admit, once Farrell was out and Finn was in, so was I, frankly. So uh, it felt like a right about the time I realized how much I was rooting for them was right about the time Mornay Stain was crushing them. Um, in any event, it was obviously a, a very tight series, a very hard-fought series. There were some amazing moments, for sure. Uh, there were probably a lot more forgettable ones. Uh, some quick notes I had while I was watching. Um, before the match started, in fact, they mentioned that Alan Wynne-Jones has played every single match of the last four Lions series. That is That is amazing. What... What a man. What what a player. What a guy. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> a note I honestly wish I had not written down. So just after Dan Bigger missed his opening opportunity for a penalty kick, I wrote, surprised to see Bigger shank that first pen. Bad omen? Ugh. So for him, yeah, a much worse omen than I had thought. 
I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I just hope this injury turns out to be a lot less serious than it looked at the time. Uh, you, you could see it on his face. It was it was not good. So one of the things I've been hearing people complain about in the last few weeks is Will Greenwood's commentary. So, okay, Will Greenwood has a podcast that I listened to when I first got into rugby. And of all the pods I have found before and since, I, I have to say his is the only one I have deleted from my library. I just had too hard a time listening to him. I felt like I'm constantly trying to translate what he was saying into something meaningful. Uh, I'm given the impression that he has sort of doubled down on this particular brand of speaking and this persona. Uh, and I understand people, at least in the UK, if not elsewhere, had to endure his commentary during this entire series. I am very pleased to report for a change from the US that uh, here, he was not part of the broadcast. Not at all. On top of that, we got to listen to, and this is the first time I've said his name out loud. I hope I get it. It's uh, Hanyani Shimangi, uh, who was one of the South African commentators, and oh, he was awesome, especially when it came to describing what we're actually seeing during scrums and during scrum penalties. Oh, he was so helpful, so great. That, that is a skill most people in comms absolutely seem to lack. Now, in the lead-up to this week, I heard somebody saying – when you've got Finn Russell on your team, if Finn looks happy and carefree before the match starts, you're in good shape. But if he looks sullen or just even serious, you might be in for a tough night. But uh, he looked pretty loose coming on to me. And he was he was smiling and he was winking and doing those Finn things. And sure enough, in my opinion, Finn had a great game. I was honestly surprised to see how confident and carefree he looked. Uh, he nailed that first pen like he was alone in his backyard. Uh, I was really hoping he'd be involved with some sort of heroic ending, but alas. Uh, also got to mention Maro Atoje, once again, put his stamp all over this game. Man, oh man, he is so special. So to me, it's not just that Maro is so gifted athletically, it's that, uh, did I just say athletically? Uh, uh, I'll say as a sportsman. Uh, it's not just that, it's that the things he does must be so frustrating for the opposition, because it's, it's like... A, almost an extra layer of skill in that he makes other people worse. Like if you're playing against him, he makes you so frustrated that you stop playing as well as you should. It's amazing. Plus he has abilities that his position just aren't supposed to have. Um, I remember at the 31 minute mark, I wrote down, is Atoje the Lions best ball carrier so far? So next, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. But I think what this series actually needed was a no-nonsense fresh French referee. So Waterboy, no Waterboy, there was still a lot more in-game coaching going on on the field on the box side, that's for sure. And I even wondered at one point, did did Rassi go and buy himself a little headset mic or a, a bunch of them and pass him out to, to communicate with the sneaky peeps he has out on the field at various points? Did any of you see uh, at one point a guy with medic emblazoned across his vest comes out and uh, it was just while Matthew Renal was looking at something, and he, Renal immediately turns around. And it's like, get out of here! Uh, there, there's no medical emergency. We don't need you. You're not bringing out water. He sent him off fast, <laughs> which made the guy look honestly downcast. He looked like, hey, I, I can't wait to hear what Squidge is going to talk <laughs> to say about the medic guy. I feel like it could, could become a meme in its own. Uh, about the the Rassi stuff, though, and all the coaching. So I was getting frustrated by it because it's just so sort of overt. But I'm a Bill Belichick apologist, and when I think of that, I, I feel forced to to stay calm and not complain about all the stuff Rassi was doing. 
because the fact is, if Warren Gatlin had wanted to do it, he could have. There didn't seem to be any rules preventing it. Uh, they were letting it go. So I kind of ended up feeling like, okay, Gatlin, you're watching the other team get coached up on field while you effectively do nothing about it and do nothing yourself. Isn't that kind of an advantage for Rassi? Like, I, I can't take anything away from Rassi for doing that. They let him do it. He's their, He's effectively their coach. It was amazing. And it worked. Of course, in the end, it did feel more like a, a whimper than a bang. Uh, I might feel differently in a day or two. And uh, as I've sort of hinted at, later this week, I'm going to have my very first guests on to talk more about this match, uh, their reactions to it from a different perspective than my own. Uh, please stay tuned. Follow me on Twitter, at of Scrum, and uh, you'll find out more very soon. I can't wait for that. Okay, time to own up to my mistake. Last week, I erroneously said that the boringly named but very exciting rugby championship was starting up, and that wasn't true. Uh, it is true that it's boringly named, uh, but it was not the beginning of that particular series. This test was the first Bledisloe test, which puts it technically outside of the BNB VERC, which will actually begin next Saturday on the 14th. Uh it's been suggested to me that if they changed the Bledisloe to a two-test series, the Wallabies might at least have some sort of chance of drawing or even taking the cup back. But the way things are right now, the results have been the same for 18 years and counting, or 18 series and counting. Uh, there could have been a disruption in there, like maybe COVID, that uh, doesn't equate 18 series to years. But in any event, it's 18 and counting, and it was not a good start last night. So one thing I got right about my prediction was that the All Blacks would – make relatively easy work of the Aussies. The final score looked a lot more respectable than it felt while I, while I was watching this match. You know, New Zealand won again at Eden Park. It was 33 to 25 in the end. Uh, my prediction had been an 18-point difference. Late on, it actually looked like I might have nailed it exactly. Uh, but the Kiwis let the Aussies get a couple of tries late to make the margin appear a lot more friendly than it maybe it was. So, Right off the bat, first thing I wanted to mention, right, how, how cool is it that Aaron Smith got his 100th cap? They did a little pregame piece. Uh, it was pretty cringy, honestly, to, to watch the, the sort of framing device they used. The footage was good. I liked, you know, the point of the piece. But why have him and Karen Reed sitting awkwardly next to each other? It was so forced and unnatural. It was just weird. But, man, oh, man, what a player. Well-deserved. He has He's long been a, a big favorite of mine. And. What a player. And he was up to his old tricks again on Saturday. So continuing in my ongoing vein of how weird it is to try to watch rugby in the United States. So I broke down and I signed up for Flow Rugby, an immensely overpriced, in my opinion, platform that I cannot wait to cancel. In any event, they did include the pre-show stuff, which was cool. And they had all kinds of analysis. They had an extra, I don't know, hour, hour and a half than I usually get when I watch these. But sometime before the national anthems, the commentators just disappeared from the broadcast. Their voices were just gone. And they never came back for the entire broadcast. So <laughs> as a viewer, I'm sitting there like guessing, okay, what are the comms kind of trying to say right now? So like after one of Lilicio's misses, the broadcast is totally silent, but the camera just takes a long shot of Lilicio's face. And, and you're like, okay, somebody's getting buried alive right now in comms. Uh, it was really weird. I'm, I think I'm going to have to find a way to watch it again, find one with commentary. It's just, it's eerie. It's it's very strange. But on the plus side for this one, uh, 
it got the ref mic pretty loud in the mix. So I was able to hear some interactions I don't usually get. Uh, quick player notes on the Wallabies side. This is going to sound dumb since he did score two tries, but I am not sold on Tony Banks. I, I don't know. He, he looks, to me, he looks awkward. He looks gangly and squinty and generally unsure of himself. I really think he should have just kept playing keyboards for Genesis and skipped this whole test rugby thing. And that was a joke for only my dorkiest listeners, including myself. Anyway, I, uh, I did see his performance described this way. Uh, quote, Tom Banks overcame the embarrassment of a first half Falcon, unquote. And if any of you listeners at all know what on earth that means, please let me know. I would, I would be keen to find out. So I mentioned Lilicio. Oh my gosh. That guy's got to be looking to check into an institution after a performance like that one, right? So uh, I would have described him as borderline revelatory in his performances against France. He made 17 of 18 kicks in that series. Then this weekend, he goes out and does an absolutely shocking two of seven, leaving much more than the losing margin of points on the field. I, I hope this isn't one of those moments where we see a player just never get back to form. He's young. He's talented. I hope he can just throw this one away in his heart and just say, okay, that happened, and it won't happen again. Over on the Kiwi side, Aaron Smith was his usual incredible and annoying self. Sebu Reese looked particularly impressive, I thought. And uh, Damien, please let me get absolutely smashed by this tackler. McKenzie had a gorgeous try in the corner, running one of those brilliant lines where even though there's a tackler right in front of him, he just slips right on by because of the angle. The kind of play that makes people into rugby converts, for sure. Okay, I do have to say, however, the inevitability of this series is a bit boring. As I mentioned earlier, the idea of turning it into a two-game series would be, I think, a lot more exciting for the viewers. But obviously it's big money. Asking them to throw away a third of the revenue they're currently getting uh, is probably never going to happen. So here's hoping, I guess. In any event, that does bring us to upcoming matches and predictions. So the boringly named but very exciting rugby championship kicks off uh, for reals on Saturday. The Wallabies are going to be walking the plank once again in Auckland, uh, along with what looks like uh, probably a lopsided matchup between South Africa and Argentina. So obviously it's too early to know what the sides might look like, but given Argentina's injury problems, along with the dominance of the Springboks, it's really hard for me to see a way for the Pumas to get a win here. Of course, they went and shocked New Zealand for the very first time in their history in recent memory, so you never know, right? Um, I will say that the All Blacks get an even wider margin victory over their hapless trans-Tasman foes, winning by 15, and I see the box getting maybe a 10-point win pretty easily as well. Okay, one final bit before I call it for this week. So, obviously, I consume a ton of rugby content each week. I follow multiple leagues. I subscribe to an unreasonable, frankly, number of podcasts about this great sport. So, in the spirit of growing the game and, frankly, my own podcast, I want to start highlighting a pod I listen to each week. This week, I'm going to point you all towards a, a pod I love called Flats and Shanks. Um, the word rugby doesn't appear in it, so if you're like me in America desperately trying to find rugby content, you, you might not find it. Um, it's a pod featuring two former players, David Flatman and Tom uh, David Flatman and Tom Shanklin. They're incredibly dry, incredibly funny, uh, just really charming guys. Their content is great. So apart from the truly expert level insights you get, 
You're also likely to pick up some tips about grilling, about food, maybe even a bit of men's fashion. Uh, the link to their show can be found in the show notes for this episode. Please give them a listen. I think you will love it. So that about does it. As I say, each week, what I'd really like is tons of input from you, the listener. You can follow me on Twitter at of Scrum. You can always email me at the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. If you'd like to help me spread the pod to other rugby fans, you can help by sharing and more importantly, leaving positive reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so speaking of which, I mentioned last time, I was told I had gotten a five-star review and I couldn't find it, but since then I did. So it's odd because Anchor doesn't think that Apple Podcasts has picked me up, but apparently where she fa- that's where she found me and left her rating. So the listener's name is Eleanor Rugby, which as someone who enjoys the Beatles really cracked me up. So Eleanor, uh, thanks so much for being the first one in, and I am sincerely glad you enjoy the pod. Eleanor wrote, quote, this is a great podcast for fans in the U.S. where coverage can be scarce, unquote. No kidding, right? She goes on, quote, the host is clever and loves the sport just like me. Cheers. Exclamation mark, end quote. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that and saying those nice things. It really does mean a lot. Thank you so much. Um, For all of you listening, I'll be back again in just a couple of days with an extra special episode with my first special guest to talk more about the Lions test. I've got other bonus apps coming up soon, and uh, please spread the word. Thank you so much. Cheers. Be well.